You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to this week's Fergie Time podcast. Join me, Keith Jackson, the man himself, Barry Ferguson, and of course, we did promise you special guests. Uh, we've fallen flat on our faces a little bit this week. We do have a guest, but I'm afraid we can't call Gordon Parks special. There are special qualities about Gordon Parks, but not special guest qualities. However, Gordon Parks join us in the Daily Record room cupboard for this week's podcast. Now, what we will be discussing, we'll have a little look back to Friday night's horror story at Hamden, um, a little look forward to tonight's match uh, against Belgium, but we'll talk uh, in general, Barry, about your Scotland career, because there's very many interesting characters and managers that, you know, and we could do a little bit of insight into how it works behind the scenes, and we'll get all that. First of all, Gordon Parks, Partsy Parks. You didn't enjoy Friday night. Nobody enjoyed Friday night. In fact, I've already written a column today just saying if we could have a referendum to get out to Brexit international football, I think I'm almost there now. It's becoming a bit soul-destroying. and That's not fair on Steve Clark because he's just in the job, but you're hoping for a bounce. The bounce hasn't come. And these two-week international breaks are just getting in the road of people having fun. That's my view, and I know that's your view, having sat beside you, you moaned your way through 90 minutes on Friday night. I did, and it's become a routine now. You turn up at Hamden with a kind of preconceived opinion about what, how it's going to turn up, and I get this kind of apathy, which you feel before a ball's kicked, and that for me is alarming. I, I read your com, I thought it was really bang on, because there is a kind of school of thought now that the Tartan Army is so demoralised, have nothing, no crutch to to believe that there's something better coming around the corner and Friday night was more evidence of nothing there taking the lead taking the lead should have galvanised the entire place I didn't feel a bounce I didn't feel an atmosphere that was going to carry us on and, and well we had what was the shot. funeral music that we had for about an hour before kick off so I've never heard of it it just it, the, it was suicide music it killed the atmosphere, whatever atmosphere was going to generate. Fergie, I'm telling you, mm -hmm. this is actually killing me a little bit because I, I was I'll brought be honest. up a massive Scotland mm -hmm. fan. It's all that's ever mattered to yeah, me. I'll be honest. And I'm losing the will to live with it. The build-up to the game, listen to some of the players, I listened to Andy Robertson, who is your star player and captain. I felt there was a good feeling about the camp. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, do you know what? I think we might be able to get a result here. But I did too. And that's what I, kills I never you. seen the, the game live. I watched, I watched it when I came in on, on Friday night. I watched a good 60, 70 minutes. I thought the fifth, first 15 minutes we were good. No, brilliant. But after that, I just felt, I, I, I don't know, there's something missing. And I'm, I'm with you. I do feel sorry for Stevie Clark. I do think Stevie Clark is a, a top manager. But he's got a hell of a lot of work to do. 
because I do think there is good players. There's no doubt in my mind. No, we've got a real problem but when there's I, only 30, 32, 34 players. Again, listen, I, I don't like Hamden. I never have enjoyed playing at Hamden. There's only probably two occasions in my career where I've played at Hamden, I don't know off the top of my head, 40 times. There's only two times out of that 40 times that the atmosphere has been electric. And one of the games was against Italy, you remember it? Oh, they scored the last kick of the ball. And one was an old firm cup, fight, uh, cup final. I don't like it. What and is especially as a player, from a player's perspective, we, we know everybody well, that's listening knows it. what's wrong from just, a fan's perspective. Yeah, you just need to look at it. Behind the goals are too far away. Even even the stand, the main stand and the, the stand across for it, still too far away. You need the fans close to you. You ask any player, and I bet my bottom dollar, any player doesn't enjoy the atmosphere at Hamden. Well, I've spoken to Scott Brown about this, and Scott Brown at the time when Stuart Reagan, God, remember him, was in charge of the SFA. He used to he spoke to Reagan and said, "Please, can we can we do something about this? Can we?" Mm. The, the players hate it. Mm-hmm. I, I, now, from a fan's perspective, from a journalist's perspective, we can understand that from the outside looking in. But that's the, the curious bit. I don't understand why the players... It's an eerie atmosphere. Do you run out? These I've things, done it. Barry, this can be sorted quickly, right? And it seems to be laziness because mm. I go to Murrayfield routinely for Scotland games and they put so much effort into trying to generate something. The entertainment before, before a game. It matters. Uh, it matters know, because no, what, it, what it does is it changes the mindset. People that might be marching towards Hamden with this kind of morose attitude can get lifted purely by a bit of effort, a bit of razzmatazz. Mm. It works. It sells mm. it. And Scotland... As a national team at home, we need to manufacture an atmosphere now. No, no. What you, what it you, certainly you, helps. I'm, I'm, well, I'm with Parks on that. Party. If I walked into a party and the DJ's playing Edelweiss, I, I don't feel as if I want to go on the dance floor and Edelweiss. start. Whatever it was, right? What was it? <laughs> Edelweiss. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you, that's you going back into the days when your haircut was stylish parts of Edelweiss but you can generate you can you can set a tone you can lift people by whatever you can generate something the SFA have nothing in in place to give people a feel good fact well, yeah, see, I'm with you surely if the team surely if the team's exciting that's all you need surely no, that's what builds listen, the excitement the build up to a game is so important in terms of See you sitting in that dressing room and you hear a, a bang, a loud noise outside, whether it's the music, whether they've got fireworks going off. It gives you a buzz to get out there. Now, every time I played at Hamden, apart from the two games that I mentioned, I never got that. Mm. It, it was difficult What's it for like the players. In, inside then? Is the, are the dressing rooms too far away for the... No, there's nothing up with the dressing rooms. It's just the, <laughs> the set-up of the stadium with the fans. Too far away. Mm. They need to sort it out. Well, I think first things first. I'm not blaming that on the result. I'm not blaming that on the result. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we create a good enough atmosphere. No, it doesn't. In fact, when I was speaking to Gordon Stratton about this as well, he wanted to do away with Hamden. His opinion was take the games to Celtic Park and Ibrox. Mm -hmm. Because that way you generate a proper atmosphere. It's intense. The fans are right close to the pitch. And he felt, as Scotland manager, the best atmospheres that he was involved with were the matches that they had to play mm-hmm. one at Ibrox was against Georgia and Celtic Park was the Republic of Ireland and he thought blew everything else away yep. so that is the way the, the, the players management everybody feels like that yeah well, it's your national stadium at the end of the day I still think the game should be played there but they need to do something with the stadium is it beyond us to do something technical and bring the pitch closer is it, is, why is the SFA the only organisation that can't I don't know. I, I, re, 
recalibrate Hamden to make it a. Well, do you know what you do? Do you know what you do if you if you wanted to, to because because of the, the stadium is what the stadium is, right? So instead of but surely in this day and age you can do something. what you could do is lower the pitch yep. see if you lower the pitch then the, the stands you can bring in and mm-hmm. it would get closer and you put an extra I don't know 15-20,000 on the, the attendance however you put an extra 15-20,000 seats in there if there's only 30,000 turning up as it is mm-hmm. it's just going to feel even more of a I was surprised with the attendance I thought there would have been more I did I, think I do think we've got the right guy for the but job Barry, this is the worrying thing the worrying thing is that even the hardcore these guys that come from all over, from up north, from the Isles, from wherever they come from, they're, they're, it's dwindling. Mm. Even the hardcore is dwindling, and I think that gives us a real problem. I think international football's got a real problem in general, actually, because there was a, a debate on the BBC on, what was it, Saturday night, Sunday night, where they're actually talking about, you know, it's getting boring winning these qualifiers. England shouldn't have to play qualifiers. Everybody down south is fed up with the two-week international break because it's stopping the Premier League. And that's all they're interested in. And I think it's really, these see these weeks that, that is foisted upon us when our, our own domestic campaign is up and flying and people are interested, it's all going, and then, boof, in comes, what was the name of that band, Patsy? Edel Weiser. Suicide music in two weeks of no Listen, domestic Listen, if your football. country comes, call, you still want to play with your country. But do you want Believe to come up to watch your country? No, I no at this moment off the top of my head, Barry, right, I think of the Holland game. Saturday, I think of the Italy game, I think of the, the France game at, game at, game at Hamden, but you're talking a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Why would people want to invest themselves in an experience which ultimately leaves you walking away from Hamden demoralised? That's the second. That's, that it's, I, I'm finding it hard to get excited about, and I've always been excited about Scotland, but, but right now it's a, it's a grind, it's a real grind, and the only thing that you can actually look Do you know when I was excited? I was excited when Gordon Strachan was in charge. Yes. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I thought the, Me too. the team... Terrific. I, I thought they made an absolute booby getting rid of him. Oh, Stuart Reagan again, that man again. I thought some of the football they were playing, all right, they went through a couple of difficult results, but he actually got me back and he got quite a lot of people back watching it Scotland. Was it was great. And by the way, think how far back we've regressed since we got short of striking. Look mm-hmm. at the damage that's been done since we got short of striking. Mm-hmm. Look at where we are now. And then you think, what? that's so much time that we've just wasted. Mm-hmm. If striking was still there and still going, how much further ahead would we be right now? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, again, I bring it back to Stuart Reagan. Disastrous appointment, disastrous chief executive. And that was his, you know, that was the, the crowning glory of a, a disastrous time in charge of the SFA that he called that decision to get rid of Gordon Strachan. And he called it on political reasons because he wanted the team to go and train at Orium and all this other stuff. And Scottish football, our national team has suffered in the back of it. I like Stevie Clark, Barry. I think he's got a chance. Mm-hmm. But oh, my you- God, he's got it all piled up oh, against he's, him. He's got, if one guy's going to get it right, I do think it'll be him. I do. <clears throat> I feel it's, it's going to be a tough one from. I do think we've got. If you look at the squad, we have got decent players. I agree. I think we've got good quality players, and I think it's a job that a lot of people would have wanted. But we need to start getting results. Well, this is let's so, so we let's need go to back. start. So let's go back to Friday night then, because like yourself. I'm looking at that squad, I'm looking at the group of players. We've now got players from Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, a whole bunch of Premier League players. I don't see many Russians in the, in the English Premier League. So you're thinking, you know, we should be able to put together a team. If we've got a manager who knows how to organise and structure them, 
Stevie Clark, that's his skill set completely there. Yeah. You're thinking, there's no reason we can't go out and get a result here. The way we started the match, I'm looking at going, brilliant. This is exactly it. It's almost like the Celtic kickoff mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Went back the way to Liam Cooper. Liam Cooper put it up, the, you know, a, a long ball up the pitch. I think McBurney goes up for a header. O'Donnell's got up. The ball's played inside. John McGinn, we've shot, we had a shot at goal in the first 23 seconds. And you're thinking, this isn't Scotland. This is brilliant. This mm-hmm. is what I'm hoping to see. And it's great for 10, 15 minutes. We got the goal and it was the worst thing that could have happened to us. We just fell out of the game after that. I'd, my question to you is here, where did Steve Clark get it right and where did he get it wrong and what does he need to change? It's a good question. Uh, find yourself time there, aren't you? Do you know, no, it is a good question. Where did they, I, I think we struggle up top. But who hell's we got? Well, there's no options. Listen, a lot. McBurnley gets a lot of criticism off people, right? Gordon Parks. Right, he gets a lot of criticism. Yeah. He scored 23 goals last year, which is a difficult league of championship. He's just got a 20 million pound move to Sheffield United. Now, a lot of people, you can say he's no worth that. Listen, that's just the market we're in just now. I think he's decent. What is it you see in his game that gives you that impression? Well, I watched quite a few games last year. Swansea he just looked a good player. He could score goals. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, 23 goals. He can score goals, the boy. Mm-hmm. And what is it you feel about Ola McBurnley? We're talking about a system that Scotland's playing. You need somebody Well, we had the perfect... Tie, tie when, the game up. When I played in the Scotland team, we had the shot. perfect number nine for us, and that was Kenny Miller. Yeah. He could play a lone striker himself. He could run channels. He could... Noise strikers, yeah, uh, sorry, centre half. So if Ollie McBurnley's worth twenty million, what price Kenny Miller then? Yeah, but we that that's it. We played four five one. That was us. We were set up. We weren't the great to watch, but I tell you what, we got results. Mm-hmm. And Kenny played that lone striker role perfectly. Now then, it was up to three stroke four of the midfielders, the uh, midfielders to get up and support. I don't think he got much support. That's the problem you've got. He's playing up there himself. Long periods of the game. I so think you need I actually thought he started well. Aye, and I he thought did. that he was part of the reason that we started he so did. well because he was he was up against some high towers in there. He wasn't shy and throwing throwing himself into it. Oh, he, he was, was up against some giant, some physical aye. specimens in centre half. He was putting himself about but Gordon Parts will say the ball just can't stick. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so about opinions. That. I don't Scott, think he's Scotland's a hold-up midfielder. Under Stevie Clark's going to be a team that uses the width they've got hitting on the, the counter, the, which is perfect for yep. us because we have got quality going forward. Mm-hmm. It's imperative the guy that's the focal point. The, the players trust him to take a touch and link up play. Mm-hmm. I don't I, think I, that's I, his listen, game, Partsy. I know that. Right. So I'm not to- totally pounding all of McBurney. I appreciate and respect his stats, but in that role, he's the wrong man. Mm-hmm. And you're right, who is there? Who, who else is there? There's Lee Nobody. Griffiths. Is, it's going to take time for him mm-hmm. to get back because obviously he's had these issues, so hopefully he gets back because he is he similar to a Kenny Miller. Yeah. He likes to run mm-hmm. the channels. He can take a touch. He can rile up defenders. He can link But him. after the eye, he can link. But I, look, he has a goal machine. When he's hitting his peak so for him. Was it a mistake by Steve Clark to leave him out of that squad? Because he's not played enough football, but you've got to be understanding he's he's not played enough football, Lee Griffiths. I do think he will be the number I think one striker. He's played more football than Stephen Naismith has this season. Yep. True. Stephen Naismith made the squad. True. We had that, but we don't know. We had the free kick at the end of the game that Charlie McGrew 
came close, mm-hmm. but not close enough. But you don't know what's going on in the background, mm-hmm. whether it's he's got to take his time because he's been through a lot, Lee Griffiths. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be respectful of that. He's, I think Neil Lennon's managing him in a certain way. Mm-hmm. We just need him back as quickly as possible, but you've got to respect that he's had a few mental issues. So he will be, if he comes back fit and gets playing in the Celtic team, he will be the number one striker and I won't have a problem then. See, when you played for Scotland, yes, was there a, was there a lift up of level? Did you feel it? Because what I see is a requirement for more technical players keeping the ball taking care of it possession was that, a problem for us that was the thing that I was disappointed in I look at the three you've got in the middle of the park McTominay plays week in week out for Manchester United every time I watch him I'm impressed mm-hmm. Callum McGregor I think everybody knows what I think of him I think he's a talented individual John McGinn I, I like John McGinn a wee bit forward when he's in people's faces he's not the player that's going to go and get the ball and run a game of football but I think he's crucial to having that middle of the park mm-hmm. I think Callum McGregor and, and McTominay probably have played better games in terms of keeping possession I, I, international football believe me when I say this you need to keep the ball mm-hmm. you need to whether it's going side to side or going back away you need to move the ball quickly and that's something that we've we struggled with Friday that was the most frustrating thing because you know but you need, you need three the, players start the second half right Russia come flying out of traps you're thinking well thank God we've got half time here Stevie Clark can get into them and mm-hmm. start and, and get his message across we came out we were even worse the mm-hmm. start of the second half Russia steamrolled us mm-hmm. there was one bit when we actually did start keeping the ball knocking about and it was exactly as you say Barry it was actually the back four and just into the midfield and back to sometimes you've got to do that to take a sting but then we gave it away (laughs) then the ball gets to to Stephen O'Donnell he gives it away and the Russians go again and and, and almost score the second it's a poor mistake for the boy O'Donnell he's he's admitted that but I'll go back to the midfield three McTominay playing with one of the the biggest club in the world yep man you supposedly Callum McGregor plays top level football here he plays in Europe mm-hmm. he's what he's probably the first name on Neil Lennon's team sheet he was the first name in Brendan Rodgers team sheet and, he looks as if and he John was born McGinn to play international football I thought John McGinn went down to the championship last year and was unbelievable talk what what was people in for him for 30 million 40, 30, 40 million yeah yep but these guys are all playing in a framework Teams that have good, good players. Personality right. players, right? Scott right. Brown is no longer playing for Scotland and you can feel the void, that kind of lack of personality. Did you feel as if MD got on top of the game? No. no. I, I, you mean proper leader on the pitch? Absolutely. Yeah. Somebody yeah, but, that, somebody that but just, that's a dying breed. Parts, that's a dying breed in football, isn't it? Leadership. Chief Clark talked about that yesterday. It's a dying breed. conference and he just said this new generation of players yep. and he's almost, he didn't say, but he's almost saying you don't even want to raise your voice to him because... They might take offence, they yep. might take it badly. Now, see, if you've got, see if you've got a leader on the football pitch, you could, the leader could be having a piss poor game. Poor game. But he'll still motivate what's running about him. Mm-hmm. He'll still make sure everybody's in their formation. He'll still encourage. He'll still he'll manage the team on the pitch. He'll do the he like the captain's mm-hmm. job. We've I don't think we've got him to like that. Should Andy Robertson be your captain then? I bet, listen, he's playing it. <laughs> Jesus, look what the guy's done. It's he's one thing playing in a team with Sad Mane and another one with Ollie McBurney. He's, should he be Scotland captain? Yeah. yeah, he's playing top-level football, playing with one of the best teams in Europe. Well, Champions League winner. I know, but is he a leader? Scotland look meek. 
Meek and is he a leader? That's I don't the know question. him. I like him. I, in fact, I don't. I, I don't know him in terms of. You would need to be between the four well. walls. He, he speaks very well, and I was listening to his press conference leading up to the game, and I'm thinking Stevie Clark's got this this group flying, mm-hmm. buzzing, and training. Um, as you says, he does. He comes across. He's a very very intelligent. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Great player. I don't know what he's like in between the four walls the, in a dressing well, room. Well, the reason I'm asking you that is that I look at him, his performances for Scotland and I think, is he, I think is he's he taking on too much of your burden? Yeah, is he trying listen, to do too much? There'll be a lot of weight on the boy's shoulders, captain of your country. Again, we're talking about systems again. Mm-hmm. The system for Scotland doesn't, doesn't suit Robertson because Fraser's keeping his width. Aye. Now, automatically you've got Andy Robertson's threat as an, a kind of overlap yeah because the three play up top play more inside um, the two wide boys yeah. so he's got that full left flank to, to run his cell so, but that's up to you to change the way you play you come in it's no Liverpool you're playing with it's mm. a national team there's different players I think there's a bottom line here and I think Stevie Clark knew it before the Russia game he knows that we're not going through and, and, and I think when he took the job he knew this he knew the damage was done he's got five games to give Scotland an identity mm-hmm. a bit of passion around the place even if we lose tonight we'll probably even lose. if we lose when, right <laughs> if, even if we even if we, if we get a got to be positive well, right. come on I know you're the one that points a finger <laughs> at me we'll uh, I'm down man I'm down on this hey, here's, oh, down, here's what I'm saying we will have three games well. then to go and win to get a momentum to get an identity to Pick the same players, consistency. Mm-hmm. Get a programme within the squad that they all know they're working to. That is the Steve Clark way. Now, let's make sure that the semi-final playoff is a game that we get Hamden. We've all... Fire, fireworks Patsy, line. Here's the problem, right? We all knew that from the start, from the get-go, when Steve Clark comes in. Do you know what? We're not going to get through this group. We all knew it. Just get as a team. Just get 11. Just get your 11. Get them ready. You've got until March next year. By the time we get to March, we need a Scotland but, team that you know is your best 11, that we all recognise as your best 11, that's got a pattern of play and a structure to it, that is ready to get through. You see how the interest, when's his contract run to? Is it 2022? No, I don't think so. I think it's 2020. Two year contract you signed? I think you've got to give somebody longer. I think you've got to have a plan. What yeah, you've I'm, just I'm said, you've got to have a... See the way that you're actually talking there? I'm quite in, I think Stevie Clark's definitely capable of doing oh, that. 100%. So that, 100%. The, the, and this is where it's really bad timing in Stevie Clark's, but it's not his fault that we are where we are. He's not the guy to blame right now. He's the guy that's trying to fix it on our behalf. The problem is we've just been battered over the head so many times for so long, for 20 years without a tournament. I, I just think it's fatigue. It's fatigue with the whole thing now, and that and that's not Steve Clark's fault, but he kind of has to do something in order to put a shot in the arm for the for the nation for the for do the. You know the funny thing talking about it is different for club football. We're all Scotland fans here, mm-hmm. so it, our, our conversations littered with the party. We're, we're part of the heart heartache and the frustration of it. So when you're dissecting it, it's for the heart as well. You know, you're really desperate for Scotland to do Scunnered something. Scunnered, mm-hmm. Barry. Yes, you said there that. We should be optimistic, upbeat, looking forward to the Belgian game tonight. Now, this podcast oh. will, is available for a week. So I'm sure that most of the people that listen to this will already know the outcome of tonight's match. We don't. I'm prepared to say that I think we might get a bit of a tanking. I don't think we'll get a tanking. I don't think we'll win the game. I think Stevie Clark, with the kind of manager stroke coach he is, he'll have his set up 
difficult, real difficult to beat. No I mean, doubt about it. Look, Belgium, I've got. That's the problem. I, I, I could go through the, their full team. Their full team's just full of talent. Yeah, but see, it's, I was in Brussels, right, and I thought we actually I was really impressed with the performance that we put on that night. Mm -hmm. Everything that you would expect from a Steve Clark side: yep. structured, organised, mm -hmm. defensively compact. Everything was right about that performance, and we still ended up on the end of a three 0 beaten over there. And that was probably just about as well as we could perform on the night. So I think any, any team that goes over there is capable of getting an absolute doing. I agree. And that's why I say so he I just think needs we're to be set up. He's obviously, I reckon for Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, on a training ground, I'll just, he'll be shaping the living daylights out of the team mm -hmm. to make sure, as you just said there, compact and difficult to beat and difficult to get through. Okay, okay. I don't think, if, here, listen, if you go and you, you have... You try and have a go at Belgium, there's only going to be one outcome, let's be honest. Sometimes, we've spoken about this before, when I was in the Scotland dressing rooms, when now even in Rangers dressing rooms, going into like Champions League games, or going into qualifiers with, with, um, with Scotland team, sometimes you've just got to say, right, you know what, we're coming up against a better team, with better players. Now, what we need to do, is just frustrate the living daylights out of whoever we're playing against. And that's what we done under certainly see under Walter Smith. Mm -hmm. And Alec when he took a job um after Walter. We were our foundations were built on frustrating whoever we played against. Not having and the ball for long periods. No, listen, there was times I must have played in games where I've touched the ball maximum ten times. Four of them's a header. Aye, and the other six were slide tackles. <laughs> but that's... We were we were honest about it. Mm -hmm. It's not about we, we never thought we knew we a mindset oh, we're going to get beat here. We knew we had a chance if we held on nothing each 65, 70. Then they start to get frustrated. Then you see them start to pick wee arguments with each other. And that's when you can get at teams. Mm -hmm. When these better teams with better quality players start to get frustrated. So that was that was the key to our team talks and our setup when we were away, not just with, with Scotland, but with Rangers as well. When you were going into Champions League matches. Yep. yep. I mean, if we went out 4-4-2, playing Italy at Hamden, right, we are going to go for them. I, I think Italy would beat us because they had better quality players. I don't, I don't think anybody's I mean, they did beat us in the end of the night, but I'm talking about, see France, for instance, over in Paris. Faddy's goal mm. now I think the stats were ridiculous was it no something like 78% possession, possession. <laughs> or even more than that um, I think we had one attempt on goal and Faddy scored but that we went over there with that plan to go over there and frustrate them and as the game went on see if you look back at 70 minutes 75 you could see them start to panic a wee bit mm -hmm. now for them being top quality players, there's always a wee bit of panic because they're looking at, up at the, the scoreboard, right, 15 minutes to go. Then they start to force things. Then that's when you've got the opportunity to maybe get something. But obviously we scored a bit earlier. So we're just thinking, right, do you know what? Two rows of five, don't move. Leave them with a ball. <laughs> and do you know what? You get results. And I think that's what Stevie Clark will mm. beat well, the back that, of his but, mind. But that's why people were reasonably excited. He's not an exciting flamboyant manager mm. what he is is organised structured exactly but that was see, exactly the, that. see the better Scotland teams I played in that's, that's what, what it we was were, we were just so organised see when we stepped out in that pitch every single player and I've heard so many interviews with the players that I played with 
every single person knew their job inside out. Now, if something came through your area, you were held responsible. Gordon Pars doesn't believe in shape. I think shape's awful born, but I think um, I saw signs on Thursday night. Sorry, Friday night, especially with Forrest, mm-hmm. the discipline that he showed to try to protect O'Donnell. You can see that he's trying. Stevie Clark's trying to drum. It up is boring. See story. what you're saying, shape. Shape. I used to hate shape, yeah. but shape is the most important. On Barry, the training explain, ground. explain just in case any of the guys listening to this don't really understand what shape is. You used to call it shadow. No, oh, it's the same thing. So shadow it's, shape. It's on the training pitch. And it's basically the manager, there's no ball involved. No, no, the no there is a ball game. involved. You're set up with the way that I've done shape with the more, the best managers. We shaped up against mannequins. So he would set the shape, whoever you were playing, in mannequins. Where we could exploit them, where we had to stop them getting through. Basic stuff. And he's walking you through when the ball's over there. Yep. I need my right if back. The, if the ball's in the right back area, parts he'll know because he's been involved in professional football. The ball's in the right back area where we should be as a, a team. Yeah. If it's in the centre back area, left back area, if a central midfielder gets it, where you've got to be. No repetition. It's repetition. Oh, it's it can be in the pouring rain. You can stand there. The players that aren't selected look at each other. They're, they're reading the team, right? Uh, See, I, that's the, that's team. the perspective you've had, the players that aren't selected. <laughs> that's why you were sitting in the sidelines. I do that there. with my yeah. team just now. Shape. But you can see and I say to them, listen, point, right? it's the most boring part, yeah. but it needs to be done. Because they've got responsibilities when they get in that pitch. Well, I'm going to say to you now, right, parts is against shape. You're still you against, against shape. That's he didn't like it. I was never involved in that. That's the problem. I was standing at the side, but I was always sitting in the dugout. Hey, man, I'll get no back. You move five yards in. <laughs> I think when you go and collect that ball. <laughs> so, I'll be you one of the mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you said there about the, the Walter Smith time in charge of Scotland. Yep. Also, Walter Smith had the, the European run with Rangers. I'm guessing that that run to the UEFA Cup final. I'm guessing shape was 90% Aye. of what got yep. that two days team lead, Two days leading up in the Scotland team and the Rangers team. Two days leading up, that's when Walter took the training. Never took it before it. Mm-hmm. At um, international level, it was the late, great TB, mm-hmm. Tommy Burns and Coiste, who'd done all the training. And the day before, sorry, 48 hours before, when we went to Hamden to train, and then also when we trained wherever we were, whether it was at Dumbarton or wherever that, uh, else we went, Walter took over for the last 45 minutes of training. And that's how long it can last, walking about, after sweating, <laughs> and the pouring rain, blowing a gale. But it's got to be done. It's torture, doesn't it? It's oh, it's torture. torture. Listen, I, I never enjoyed it, but it is the most important part. But that's the bit where automatically... In a match situation, if something happens something in your happens, area, you react automatically. Yeah, aye, if, because if it's something, thrilled, didn't you? Aye, if something happens in your area, if your man gets away or you're not closing a bit of space and the team get through and score a goal, there's no else to blame apart for you. Mm-hmm. You've went through it's it. Amazing how it's amazing how when you see the passage of playing the way it develops, they can call it spot on and you react automatically to the way mm. it's working out. Mm. Right, and that's, it's repetition. That's, that's repetition, repetition, repetition. Well, football players are stupid, aren't they? In general. So you need that sort of repetition. What are you trying to say, like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at two. You need the repetition. Football players have got an... Hammer home the message. Football players have got an inherent built-in under, understanding that they can relate to the mm. way it works. So yep. if you take a guy off the street and put them in shape, they wouldn't know what No, he, he, no he would struggle. He, he would eventually get it if you kept working with him. 
But it's for me the most boringest part of being a footballer, but it's the most important most part important as well. Part. Uh, Especially when you're going against a better calibre of side. Because me I would imagine that in normal domestic games, you're playing off the cuff a wee bit more. You're, you're no, doing what you want to do. You're, no, you're reading the, the game. No, the way I do it, I, I look at all the opposition I play against and then we set up against... Oh, first and foremost, you've got to let the guys know what they're going to be coming up against. Mm-hmm. They're not just going out blind and thinking, right, are they playing 4-4-2 or 4-3-3? But then when they get into areas, it's up to them to go and... You, it's only a guide. Mm-hmm. without the ball with the ball go and do Express your own thing go and, right, go and enjoy it and go and show what you're capable of doing right let's round this wee bit up Parts of give me a scoreline for tonight which we can then prove is wrong later on I think 2-0 um, two nothing. 2-0 two two nothing nothing I'd be happy with it I'll sign for that Aye, I'll sign for that as well I'll go with 2-0 I think we could be 3 or 4 and but I'm being very pessimistic just now it's just the mood that I'm in maybe we'll go and get a right good performance and get a 0-0 and a point and pretend that we're still involved in this group for a bit. Ryan Christie makes a good point on Friday after the game disappointed emotional about it and he said what an opportunity what a great game to go in and show that you can actually match these world I see I'm not having that either Steve Clark well that was the message Steve Clark was trying to put out yesterday this could be the the perfect match for us Belgium because you know it's not there's no much pressure nobody's expecting don't tell me that Belgium is the perfect match for Scotland right now San Marino at Hamden do you know what I go, you know go and say that you can match up against Kevin De Bruyne you can, you can nullify him you, you can, can go and play against him I'm just saying if, if you're a professional player that's, go that's frustrate what you them. Do. that's what they, they can do tonight they can go and frustrate them is it going to work I, I, I just I, I'm with you I just hope it's it's not an absolute doing yeah, and let's just keep in mind that the playoffs for the nation, the nation league. Aye, next match, is, is we've got another. I we've got another go next match. Yeah. Is it we, we get? It's dependent on results, but it could aye. be a Finland. You know, it could it's be, not going to be Finland because they're doing really well in the no group. Bulgaria, one, like, Bulgaria, I think. Be, aye, Bulgaria. Yeah, Bulgaria, and then I think you're well, like Norway or uh, Serbia. I think it is. Yeah, potentially in the final. Well, yeah. listen, this is the best chance we've had in a long time. We've had two chances. Well, let's talk about that, Barry. How frustrating, you know, looking back over your career, what was it, age 20, you won your first cap against Lithuania, um, and you went on to have... I did my research. All right. Um, but you were involved time and time and time again in these campaigns that sometimes off. we get close, sometimes we didn't get close. The fans kind of stuck with it. How, how, how depressing does it get for the players when you, when you just can't get there? It's a hard, listen, it's a hard one. It's one of the ones where a few goes at, uh, a few goes, sorry, at it, get beaten a few playoffs. Um, but when you get to the playoffs, we come up against so many teams. We could be well, Holland and England. I mean, we thought we were through. We beat Holland 1 0. Remember? Yeah, Hamden. I, I think. I think it was Faddy that scored yeah, that as yeah, well. Was, Fletch came inside yeah, and played off him. played off him, and he he whipped it in. And we were in the dressing room, think, oh, we're going to the Euros here, and then four days later we go and get absolute absolute thumped. Previous with England as well. But, uh, remember that one down at beat two 0 at Hamden. Yeah, and then went went down there and beat them one 0 um, Ah, there's been a few disappointments. It's one of the ones where. You always look, I always watch the Euros or the World Cup in the summer. I always, always watch it and think what the, what would it have been like to to go there as a player or even captain your your national team. 
Um, and it's been far too long for us. I would imagine, if I, if I was you right and I'm sitting there just now, that would be one of the deepest regrets. You yeah, well, it's the fact of the build-up. I would have loved that. to have been away for, I know teams go away for the three, four weeks before and I would have loved to have done all that, whether you go to a different country and prepare and that's the thing that I would have loved and uh, the build-up to it, the, the amount of spotlight it would have been on the, the country at the time and... Um, and you know what? It, it never happened. It's probably one of the biggest disappointments. But I would love to see this group or a group sooner rather than le- uh, later do it. That's the point. If we if we don't do it this time, I mean, you've actually got to roll a double six not to qualify for this tournament. If mm-hmm. we can't make there's, it, there's to an this easier one, chance there's, there's now. A bigger, a bigger picture as well. It's a final insult for Scotland. because there'll be games in our own backyard, and we're not going to be there. Swiss fans or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to do the do the usual. It'll be in front of our face, and that's hard to bear. Right. So Barry, your your Scotland career. Talk me through the high points. What was the high the high points? Paris, I guess. Aye, that, that, that as good as it got. The high points is captaining your your country. Now, am I right in saying it was Bertie Votes that gave you the armband? Yep. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about wee Bertie. <laughs> uh, Lovely guy. I just... A dud. Ah, he struggled. He's a dud. He struggled. That's what I'll say. I, I need to ask a question. I've I'll, heard, he, I've heard he struggled. But let you have a wee pre-match. Uh, listen, I was just about to say that. <laughs> at night... <laughs> I know. At night, um, the night before, and this is what he'd done at the, with Germany. Mm-hmm. I think the first night we were doing Cameron House, we all got told to come down to a meeting, I think. I can't remember if it was nine o'clock or ten o'clock now. We've had our dinner at seven. We always get our dinner at seven, all the boys all sitting together. Then we had to meet in a room at nine o'clock or ten o'clock. And we're thinking, right, well, maybe it's just a wee bit on whoever we're playing against. Maybe a wee ten, fifteen minute. Listen, make sure you prepare right, get in your bed. Let's focus on the game in hand. So we're all sitting and next thing these trolleys all come in with bottles of beer and... <laughs> Bottles of wine and what's going on here? Ten o'clock. Aye, so he'd let you have a beer or a glass of wine before you went to your bed. Which, right before the game. Which I f- felt st- it was strange. <laughs> but I, I, made the, uh, I made the most of it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I was never like that. I had one. You always had one. Or two. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. No, you'd one or two. It was a strange one. Listen, it was a German culture. That was a culture that he brought. Did any of the boys not take one? No, the boys... Did you didn't you, weren't they, you weren't forced. <laughs> no, you weren't forced no, that to... That was George Burley's reign. No, you weren't forced to take a beer or a, a red wine. But that was strange. Listen, I got on with him. I just... I, f- I felt he was... He was a lost man. He could see... I feel sorry for I, He was... He was in a dark place. In what way? Like, just struggling, you could tell. You could, you could see it was affecting him. Results. Obviously, the media was on him. On us as well, to be fair. It's not just about the manager. What are you pointing at me for, Patsy? It's, it's not about <laughs> the manager. It's obviously, he sets us out and we've got to go out and do our job. we never done our job. It um, looked like disorganised chaos. We were it sitting. was, and there was a point in Pharaohs where we were 2 nothing down against Pharaohs at half half time. I remember it well, and I was then, sitting there. And we're thinking to ourselves, no disrespect, but 
the quality we had in that dressing room and the players we had should be beating the fairway was, and we just end up having a ding dong at half time players having a say he never said anything I think he just stood back and thought oof well, he was seeing his whole career flashing in front of his eyes at that point. Aye, so that's when. So I have to say, sitting there that day, it looked to me from the press box as if the players had just taken it upon themselves, you and Paul Lambert in particular, mm-hmm. to take on the responsibility. You were actually ignoring what was coming for the sideline. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, players yeah, decided to, to sort you that. Had to do something about it at half time because you know what? That would have been the worst result, I think, in Scotland's that history. Was mortifying. So we had to take. We had 45 minutes to try and sort it. So take us inside that dressing room at halftime. What happens? Who speaks? What's Bertie saying? Nothing. I think he was just taken aback. Well, you're not looking to him to say... Yep, and then... um, TB was there. Tommy Burns. And he started speaking because Bertie Votes literally couldn't speak. He took over and then me... I was only young at that that stage. Mm -hmm. Lambo, most senior player in the squad, stood up had a bang at everybody which I quite liked it got me fired up and then there was a few ding-dongs in terms of players having a go at each other and that was the best thing that could have happened see that never happened that could have been the worst result in Scottish history we went up we went out there and we still listen drawn with fair it wasn't a great result no but we got away with one we got away with one that now, game and it was like I knew when I got on that that bus after the game see no use you were going to have a field day. We and we, we've got to take, it's no, I just don't put the blame on the manager. We've got to take responsibility as well. Players have got to take some responsibility. It's no on the, the manager or the coaching staff as well. You've got to produce on a pitch. Yeah, well, and we for, never for, produced. For me, for me, the players got everybody out of hole that day by, Aye, by taking it upon themselves. No, the first 45, no. the second 45 we did, the first 45 we were, we were a joke. It wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. See, once you've, as a professional player, been in a situation where the manager has lost the power to speak, to talk, to communicate to his own dressing room, the guys then take over. Do you, you must know also, while you're playing that game, this guy's finished. He's done. No, that doesn't even cross my mind. I didn't cross my mind. It crossed your mind after it, though. Aye, I mean, you can't, you're looking at the guy. 2-0 down against the Faroe Islands here, mm-hmm. better give us a help. But I think sometimes that's when you need you see what the players are made in the dressing room and sometimes the players have got to take over now I've had that instance with Walter Smiths where he comes in and bang he lets us all have a go at each other sometimes I think that's the best way to solve the disappointment what's going on in the pitch Mm -hmm. sometimes as players you've got to sort it out as men sort it call a few people out you get I get called out a few times Mm -hmm. then I responded but that got me fired up again that got me saying right hey do you know what Right, let's have a go then. Let's get out of here and, and sort it. And I quite enjoyed that. I don't know about you. When you were involved in dressing rooms, I quite like calling people out. It sees, it shows, sorry, what people are made of. Made of it's big unlike time. Any other environment that you could imagine, if you've not experienced that, that silence right. and then the eruption, right, and the people being accountable, but it clears the air completely. How often did you get the blame? Often. I remember playing a a, a cup tie at Dens, Dens Park and for who? Though we talk about it. No, he's stilling, right? He's stilling, okay. And John Brownlee was a manager. John Brownlee, good coach. Yep. We came in at half time, 1 0 down, 
and John Brownlee basically said, everybody take a, a seat, right? Everybody turn around and look at him and pointed at me. <laughs> you give the ball away. <laughs> you give the ball away. It's your fault. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. I gave the ball away at the opposite end of the pitch. Four or five passes gone by. And the whole hell broke loose. Everybody pointing fingers at each other. Mm-hmm. It, it helps galvanise. It helps lift. Yep. What else can you do? I've been at dress rooms under Alex. Alex Smith, experienced manager, who's basically said, I've tried my best. I've got no more to say. You sort it out. Mm-hmm. And you do. And it's fascinating because it's only any other... It can be a volatile, I'm not saying a violent place, but mm. it can be not for the faint of heart, right? You have to respond to it. Or you, yeah, l- or, listen, or you there's, there's been times where you're, you're squaring up to people. Yeah. But listen, it's forgot about after the game. But that shows a bit of passion. That shows that people are what to do something. I like that side of it. As long as there's nobody rolling about and whacking boots off people's heads and all that. But if there's a wee bit of fisticuffs, a wee bit of squaring up, few home truths told I don't mind that but that's I what don't. makes it unique it's yep. almost like a kind of a controlled environment for because you know I think you two are a pair of dinosaurs you get that this is what we've been told now about the modern generation all oh, that can't happen anymore you're built in front of HR before your studs hit the dressing room floor aye well different the, the game, you're having to deal with that as a manager now different aye well it'd be fair it's hard to go and find these players that are mentally when you can come in and have a go and they respond to that some players can't now. People are weak now. Yeah, but I've got a good group. I've got a, especially at my level, I've got a brilliant group. I can come in and have a pop at them and they respond to that. Do you know, I, this is the difference though, right? And it is, it's modern, it's a generational thing and there's no doubt about it. This generation, glued to their mobile phone, their life's on behind a screen, actually don't really communicate very well with what's in the real world because they're too, that's my view anyway, I'm the father of a teenage daughter, so I'm well placed to comment on it. But when you were coming up, and this is, maybe it might even be the last sort of a generation of, well, it certainly was YTS, wasn't it? You were. Aye, Rangers. yep, yep. Tell me what that involved in, in, in terms of the making of you as a man, what well, you had to go through. Because you wouldn't get away with it right now. Well, I, I, you, I mean, clubs would be getting shut down. For I, I went through what, what I thought was hell for a couple of years. I mean, and at eight in the morning. If I was late, you're um, you're getting bald and shouted at. You had to do all your jobs. You had to go and train. You had to come back. All the jobs being what? Cleaning boots, toilets. I was in the staff room. Now I had to do the, the staff kit. Now you can imagine. Inside Ibrox? Yes. Yeah. You can imagine a staff room with Walter Smith, Archie Knox, John Brown, John McGregor, four. Mm-hmm. I would probably Men's put, men. Aye. Proper <laughs> men. <laughs> if something wasn't done right, it would just get flung back in my face, get told to go and sort it out. Uh, I had to clean their boots, I had to clean their toilets, I had to make them tea and toast. And I don't know how many journeys I made for that marble staircase up and down when I come down with Archie Knox's tea. That's stewed. If I can get that back up. <laughs> up and down. Uh, there's too many tea bags in. I asked for three tea bags. Back up, toast, soggy. No, you've got two minutes to get in. You know what I mean. So it's a fair wee jaunt I had. 
So it was a mental thing. It was a mental thing for me. And I tell were you, you were at when Barry Robson and Joe Robertson were coming through? I, Barry I Robson was a year, uh, the year below me. Joe Robertson was a year above me. Right. Um, we, we Joe tells a story that Archie, one of the punishments that he used to get if you did, if, if the tea was stewed, he would send you out and make you walk around the Ibrooks, walk around the pitch, walk around the pitch. And it could be in the pouring, pouring rain and he wouldn't give you a jacket to wear. I wish he'd done that with me. That's an easy punishment. I get worse than <laughs> and that, believe me. he used to forget me. about you. Huh? Like, right, well, then I get sent out. My punishment's sent out the back of the govern to clean the. There's a gla- uh, grass, sorry, verge. I to clean all the rubbish. Um, I get sent to work with the ground staff on the pitch maintenance. Yeah. Just for. High vest vest, not I know doing my job but, but right. Jack was pointing us that is the makings of the player. Oh, aye. It was the were in the there time. at 8 o'clock in the morning and I never left Ibrooks. 6 o'clock. At night, yeah, it's back in about half seven, age 15, yeah. 16. I but I used to walk back for the train thinking, I don't know if I want to be, a, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Well, you but said you, know you, what? you felt you were being bullied, no bullied, it was a mental t- They tell us it was mentally to see if I can handle yeah. pressure being put on me, and I kept at it and I kept at it. And you know what? It's about seeing I look back, it was. Brilliant for them. Here's a brilliant for them. Charlie Miller. Charlie Miller can throw and had get put into the first team dressing room at Rangers as a 16, 17 year old. He was boy. Two, Charlie was two years above me. But Charlie had something, right? The the dressing room, I think of players that can throw at that kind of time, talented boys that couldn't cope. Mm-hmm. Couldn't cope. Charlie had an answer for it. Charlie would be the one that would be leading the slaggings and stuff like that, right? So he was mentally strong enough and equipped to deal with it. Yep. I don't know if you were, but you learned how to cope and it was things like that. I remember getting that. What did you do a, to Archie Knox's tea? I've done a few things to it. Um, I've done more than... It was... Uh, what, what can I say? It's one of the ones where... Do you know, know what Archie was? Archie was... He was a tough, tough man. Tough man. I mean, I used to go... I used to have bad dreams. Like, all we'd hear was be Ferguson. <laughs> Every morning for 45 minutes where it would go and get me a pair of slips slips wait five minutes name would go again pair of socks socks shout me again a couple of minutes later these socks are no fucking use here I need an arse pair I way back up the laundry back down my boots are no clean right go and get them clean did you drag you in hmm? did you drag you in because it's a dream for a Rangers fan to go into train at Ibrox did you dread going in at times I, just, I, I loved the training I dread I dreaded that two hours before training and the five hours after training I dreaded but you know what it was mentally it made me mentally tough it did it was a great but what did you do his tea confess no I'm not confessing Archie's a good friend Archie I know what he, I know what he did to your tea <laughs> right listen we've Archie's gone, a well, we've gone way off track then but, but obviously Walter figures significantly in your Scotland story as well was that the at that period of Walter Smith followed by Alex McLeish I think Paris and all that Walter coming in and just coming in to manage the national team was was brilliant in terms of the set up everybody knew as I said I'll go back to what I said everybody knew their job now that's what was focused on this is the way we're going to play this is the way we're going to do it we're going to be hard to beat and we'll see what it takes us. And you've gone from your situation where the guys are looking at the manager, Bertie Votes, knowing that he was 
a lame duck manager at that point. Yeah. What difference does it make to the to the harmony within the squad when a manager who's got no credibility is replaced by someone who's all credibility? Well, first of all, when he walks into a room, you see everybody sitting up. up straight and just focusing. That tells you everything about him. That must be really good from a player's perspective. You, when you see that, when you see, then you know you're engaged, you know this whole group of boys. Because I was only young when I was there, I didn't really see it every single week because I was in and out of the, the first team, obviously with the pressures of 10 in a row. And then I really seen what it meant. Because I think you're running about the first team players and you hear what he's like. Just, just commanded respect. But the way he spoke as well, you know what I mean? He spoke with authority. But no authority in terms of you shit scared him. He was one of the managers where he, I was desperate to play for. I was desperate to go out and mm-hmm. and uh, do a job for him. He just brought that. And then he had his he's obviously two lieutenants at the side, you know what I mean, who were the runabout Tommy, brilliant guy, loved him. Uh, joined in in training and Coisty obviously you know what Coisty's like chirpy running about so it was a great mix you had obviously the the main man there mm-hmm. and obviously they two would take training as I says if we met up on a Sunday the game wasn't it the Saturday they would take training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and then Walter would step in and the Thursday and the Friday 45 minutes each day to set us up and as I says you knew so you do that pitch my first thing is I'm making sure I'm doing my job because if I don't do my job I'm getting my head ripped off you know <laughs> what I mean but he was he, he, listen he was a great manager I, I, I no great gets used too much but he was and I just I just there was an aura about him yeah and I just love managers where they, you're desperate to go and play for them yeah. play for them and McLeish, when McLeish comes in... Never changed then. Well, that's what I was going to say. He was clever enough to say Aye. the the, the everyone's set in stone Aye. here. We don't and, need and, to And do you know what? And I love that. I love that. He's come in and he's just thought, do you know what? Everything's going well. Maybe just a couple of things in terms of set pieces he would change, but no, we're not changing our game plan. This is the way we're staying. And we'll go so forward. That's, the, that, that's your best of times as a Scotland player, but it's also the worst of times, I imagine, because at that point you're thinking... Pfft, we can do something. We've got a team. This is the team that's going to go. Yeah, I really thought. I really thought under certainly they, they two managers. I certainly thought we had a real chance. I mean, if you look back in the squads, and I think all the players that played in the squad, I'll agree with me here. We never had an outstanding individual. What we had is very good players. Not just good players. One thing, the work. Mm-hmm. that these guys put in on our football uh, not just match day training the work ethic in that group both Walter and Alec had was frightening it looked from the outside as if it was almost you inspired each other to work hard or as if every time you came together aye we just had that we, we, I don't know we, we just had a, a real togetherness you know what I mean that we're in it together mm-hmm. in the trenches together it's one of the ones where we went out and whoever we played against, as I says, listen, it might have no looked good on the eye to watch, but whether it was Italy, whether it was whoever, 
France. Well, that's we thought we could get a result. Well, that's what we're looking for Steve Carr to bring to this. And I think squad, he will. I think he will get that. I do. So, really good times came close. George Burley. Right. Now I'm guessing that if you've been inside that dressing room and looked at Bertie votes, right, and just how long we got left? I'm nearly, <laughs> nearly done, right? And you're looking at Bertie votes, you're hopeless, hopeless, right? Nice guy, hopeless. In comes Walter Smith, proper professional. Alex McLeish, this is good. This is we're actually going great here. All of a sudden, in comes George Burley. See, at that point, do you not think yourself? That's us. Chances no, gone. Uh, no, that was me. That wasn't my initial reaction. My initial reaction was he had done good jobs, i.e. Ipswich. Obviously, was a decent player. He was a good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Um, and it just didn't work out for the simple fact is, I don't think he rated me either. Why? What made you I don't know. I don't know. I just got that vibe. I just got that vibe. I don't think it was a good mix with um, who he brought in either. The coaches, Stephen Presley and... Uh, Terry Butcher what was wrong with that what did the, what did you feel was wrong with that I just didn't think they were right for the the camp I just didn't think they were right for the the job why first Elvis was still a player he was still at Celtic at the time wasn't yep he? Um, and Terry Butcher was an awesome football player <laughs> But it was England captain. Mm-hmm. Um, that mindset is, um, I know Stevie Clark's brought in Stevie Reid, who mm-hmm. I know really well. I played with Reid at, at um, uh, Blackburn. I know he's Irish. He played, I don't know how many caps he had, but I was just that way where I like. Troubles me as well. I saw a picture. I'm quite. I saw a picture of Terry on Reid and. Sean Maloney. Sean Maloney in the paper wearing Belgium tracks. So uh, it doesn't look right, does it? No. Aye, I, I, I'm like that. Whether it's right or wrong, that's just my opinion. And um, but and, and what made you think that George Burley wasn't having you? I don't know. Just when you get that vibe for a, for a manager, and I'm fine with that. Listen, that doesn't. You get managers that rate you. You get managers that don't rate you. That's life. Mm. I just got the the vibe straight away that I wasn't. I wasn't his cup of tea, which I was fine with. But he played you, didn't he? Yeah, uh, he did, yep. He did play. You think he was doing it almost against his will? Well, against his will. Because he's a manager at the end of the day. I think your manager have got to make tough decisions. I just didn't think he, he liked me as a footballer, which I've got no problem whatsoever. Talk to me, though, because I think this is the most important thing. I might be wrong, Barry, but for me, international football... As a journalist, we get to dip in and out of the camp, right? Uh-huh. To go up to the hotel for press conferences, to travel with a team on the plane, run about the airports, mm. and you get the sense of this is, you know, the boys are really connected. Enjoying There's a, it. a great atmosphere around mm. that. You know when it's a happy squad. Yep. And you know, and this is, journalists get a lot of stick for calling things out and say, well, this is going wrong, this is going all right. It's because we are lucky enough to get close enough and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel when it's going. And the feeling around from the outside, the George Burley squad was this is disastrous. I, I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoy. I wasn't enjoying playing under him. Is that what led to how it all ended for you? No, that was just my own stupid mistake. 
Let's be honest. There's nobody. Aye, but there's nobody else that I can sit here and blame. It's Bertie's fault. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and. It was nothing to do towards the management team. It was nothing to do towards. Well, well, it's funny, but you say that. I'm going to say to you, if Walter was still in charge at that time, I don't think a group of players would have went to the bar and stayed up that late that night if Walter was still in charge, because I think the players didn't have a great deal of respect for George Burley. Aye, but people say it's all, all night, right? We got back into the hotel. What time do you think we got back About in the hotel? Half past two in the morning because I was on the plane, mate. Aye, well, I would say half three we get back right. in. No, that's when you have your first beers, when you're allowed to have a beer and you finish at seven o'clock. I don't think that's a all night session, is it really? Is it? Till 7am. I know you what you mean. At, You've no, not started that, at 7 don't p.m. Try and drag things out for three hours. It's <laughs> not an all night session. There is no chance when you start when you have a beer. Don't and what to say to that? <laughs> what do you think? I think three o'clock in the morning to, or half past three to seven o'clock in the morning is all night session. <laughs> <laughs> when you have your first beer at half three, irrelevant. It's, it's an all night session because you're doing it through the night. The Giveaway is when people are turning up for the break. So it's an all day session if you do it half three to seven. See, we're splitting hairs. Here, no, right? is, is it an all day session? <laughs> is it an all day session if I start at half three? No, what we should do, we should reenact it, right, and see if. No, I, I'm going to answer my question. <laughs> I'm not is it an all day session if it's half three in the afternoon to seven? It's an afternoon. It's an afternoon <sighs> session. Right, everybody's got their opinion. <laughs> I've got my own opinion. But what I'm saying to you is. Because of the mood around the camp, I was. I listen. I was at the airport. But yeah, I remember getting on it, but I, I could tell there was steam coming out your ears. A lot of the boys. There was a lot of unhappiness. Listen, if, and if it wasn't I just. I'm not right in thinking that it, you didn't really have the option even to go back to your house because you had to be back in yeah. such and such time. Uh, you and people were resentful of that. Aye, but listen, rules are rules. If you're not the like, players didn't like it. Aye, I know, but at the end of the day, if your manager, you put rules out. What I've. No, ah, you, you happy? No, I'm no. But you've got to do it. You've got to go back to the hotel. You've got to go back to the hotel. No spitting dummies out here. Mm-hmm. But was I frustrated after the game? Yes, because we got absolute thumped. And we were poor. Mm-hmm. Um, should I have went and had more than a few beers? No, I shouldn't have. But I did. Which was the wrong thing to do. And it's stuck with you, isn't it? That that whole thing. And I know that aye, you, you don't even like the photograph from, from the bench at Hamden. Aye, the it, it's, it's stuck with us, but it's happened, isn't it? It's, I, can't, I can't rewind back time. I can't do it. I made a mistake. It ended me getting over 50 caps. I'm the one that's... Yeah. I know, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's, I, that's I'm the, the one that's... Um, took the punishment for being a... a Absolute twat. Many more cats you think you would have got? Many more years would you have played international? Well, I played till I was 37, didn't mm-hmm. I? I retired when I was 37. That's the thing that frustrates me more than anything else. Yeah. Know the picture. Missing out and playing more games. Because I still had another five or six years. Yeah, exactly. I played another five or six years after that. Because it, it just didn't... People need to remember this as well. For my own silly mistake, it never just ended my Scot- Scotland career. It ended my Rangers career. Mm-hmm. Do you think as well? Too high a 
I mean, that's, that's a high price to pay. Do you think it was too high? You've never really no, owned it. No, um, was it a high price to pay? What in terms of the the magnitude of what you actually did to what, what actually the impact of it? I mean, not 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 to go over fifty caps, not being the Hall of Fame is a hard hard thing to take. Yeah, it's it's, it's a sore one when you you see how close you were. I mean, I missed quite a lot of games, friendly games, because the managers at the time wanted to get on sorry other guys game time. So they would say to the guys who were maybe playing regular, listen, just leave that out. So I maybe have got it if I'd played the friendly games. How many caps did you end up with back? 46. 46, four away. Aye, because I played on it. As I say, that was... happened when I was 30. Was it 30 or 31? So I played till I was 37. April 2009. And I played in England's Premier League till I was 34 and a half, so... Mm. I have may, I, I may been asked to come back a year yes. later. He did. I had. How difficult a decision was it not to? To be fair to Craig Levine, he gave me time because he wanted me back, mm-hmm. um, which I respected. I had um, a few conversations on the phone with um, Mick Oliver, yeah, yeah. who was there at the time. He was dealing with Real liaison. Yep, he was dealing with um First of all, they wanted a decision pretty quick. I says, look, it's not one of the decisions. It's just been sprung on top of me. Can I, I go and speak to my family? I spoke to my family. I spoke to ex-teammates. I spoke to people who I value their opinions. But at the end of the day, the decision comes down to myself. I can only ask people's opinions on what to do. But I sat, I sat on it for a couple of weeks and I decided no. Why? Because it would just, just have been a media circus. I didn't think it was going to be fair on the guys who were already in that Scotland squad. If I turned up in that Scotland squad, it wasn't about the Scotland players that are there the now and what game were we leading up to. Was it was going you? to be, oh, mm. look who's back. And camera just totally focused on, on me, which I don't think that's right. I'm a team player. And I think it's so... That's a big sacrifice to make. When you you just said there about not getting yep, the Hall of Fame, you're in your head... Four more games here. I know. Of I know. That's listen. That's all it crossed my mind. That's all I could think about at night. That's all I could think about during the day. I actually took away my performance for. I had to make a decision. See my next couple of performances for Suffered. Birmingham. They were all right, but the manager could see it was affecting me. Alec. And he says, what, what, what's going on? What's your thoughts? I says, I don't know. I don't, honestly, I'm, I want to go back. I, of course I want to play in my country, but I've got these other thoughts about, maybe maybe I shouldn't think about other people. Maybe I should just be selfish and do it. But I decided no. And I gave away the, the 50 caps. And that's the punishment that I got. Which... It's a hard one to take because you want to get in that Hall of Fame. Yeah. You want to get your name up on the borders. You want to be recognised that you well, earned. I, I still get the impression if you could, you'd be putting on your boots tonight to go out and play against Belgium. I, I, I miss it. Look, what, what used to absolutely do my head in. And I, I don't mind repeating this. People used to criticise me. He's no fully committed to, to Scotland. I was always fully committed to Scotland. The reason why is, the reason why sorry I missed so many games was down to the manager. 
What one? The managers, if it was friendly games, because mm. you know we used to play maybe three or four fri- uh, friendlies, so it was an opportunity for the players that never had game time to go and see if they could handle the pressure by playing with a national team. Now I did miss a few qualifiers through injury, but they were legitimate, always turned up, always seen the physio, and the doctors had to sign you off. So you never, f- never feigned an injury. I was always fully committed. Uh, and who wouldn't be fully committed? I was captain. Mm. Your captain, your leader of your, your country on a football pitch. And it does my head in. And I still get it for some people. But until they actually see me and when I'm speaking about it, I'm more passionate about mm-hmm. it. And I still want the now the Scotland team the now to, to do well. How you be watching the game tonight? <coughs> in the house? Are you going to the ground? What's no, I watch it in the house. You ever been back to Hamden as a Scotland fan? Yeah, I went back um, to watch the... Was it a polling game? Right. Two each? Under Gordon Stratton? Aye. Uh. I went back and to be fair I get welcomed there was a couple of people doing a double take <laughs> but I'm still a Scotland fan as I said I still watch them I still want them to do well um, but if anybody asked me about my career that's only what could I put how could I put it it's only Seven black mark because I've lost cup, I've lost the uh, big games of lost I don't know cup finals or whatever but no to get to the year you're 50 but listen there's only one guy to blame and that's myself so life moves on alright well we're ending this podcast in a bit of sir no, no feel, we're going to talk I, about something what was that what was the name Idol Vice or something like that, I'm I, feeling I can't look at the strength to even talk about it taking the shoes out laces out my shoes here does not feel as though the best days are behind us <laughs> <laughs> guys thanks very much for listening and this has been the Fergie Time podcast and it's available on all good podcast platforms 